Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 168 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of March 2016, and a very special episode, actually, because I didn't think I was going to be able to release this until later on this month, or maybe even April, but all of that doesn't matter, because this episode we are speaking with my good friends from the Bay Area, If you've been listening since 2012, you've heard most of these guys in an episode called Live from the Monster Garage. And you've noticed, I'm sure, that this episode is called Return to the Monster Garage. And that's because we have Bob Johnson, Barry Evans, Butch Portillo, Kevin DeAntonio, and a new voice joining that crew, Del Martinez. Now, last time we talked to these guys, it was just sort of a general roundtable discussion about how giant monsters are awesome. This time, I wanted to change things up. We all have some commonalities. A lot of us have been to Japan, so I wanted to talk to them a little bit about their Japan trip. And Dell went with me last year to Japan and some other friends, so we talked a little bit about that trip as well. And sort of like tips and tricks if you're going to Japan. Not to mention, we did want to bring up some actual tokusatsu stuff, so I got a suggestion from each one of them at the end of the episode about what they would suggest to somebody who wanted to look outside of the Godzilla universe or outside of just movie watching. Anyway, we are going to go ahead and get things kicked off by playing some requests. Now, these all came from the guys in the episode. We're going to start things off with a song that lives outside the Godzilla universe. This is a request from Kevin to hear the Space Battleship Yamato theme song. Oh, oh, oh. 
All right. Well, joining me from San Francisco, California, and more aptly and more、uh, distinctly, the Monster Garage in San Francisco. We have a whole crew of monster lovers and monster kids down there. Who do we have? We have Mr. Bob Johnson. Hello, Bob, and his crew are down there. We're going to just basically talk about some cool stuff, Japan, and more.、Uh, but I'd like to get some actual introductions going on right now. Bob, where do the listeners know you from, man?、Uh, some back alley somewhere, I think.、Uh, <laughs> I've basically been running around the Japanese fandom for a while. Back in the local San Francisco Bay Area Japanese fantasy film fair days, onto. Marklight Magazine and Henshin Online and Sci-Fi Japan and、uh, other things like that. Yeah, Bob and I,、uh, we go back to probably 1999 when we sat down to talk about the the、uh, introduction to the new Henshin Online and、uh, <laughs> yeah, man, ages and ages ago. But、uh, that's where I first met this man. I know you got some other dudes down there. Who's next on the list? I'll go to my left is Dell. Dell. It's <laughs> Brodan.、Uh, Who are you? It's your Brodjira. What's up, dude? <laughs> so,、uh, for the listeners out there that don't know the voice of Dell, Dell was not on the previous Monster Garage episode, but he is a buddy of mine, and、uh, we've hung out at some cons together, and.、Uh, He went to Japan with me and a whole bunch of other friends last year. So, dude, good to talk to you. Yep, good being on here. And who is next to Dell? Me, Kevin. Kevin, buddy. Hey, what's going on?、Uh, you know, just hanging out, lazy Sunday afternoon. What's、uh, how would you describe yourself to the listeners? For <laughs> I look like Steve Wozniak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just no money. No money. No no、okay. dollar bills. You're not making it rain. Nah, nah.、Uh, so Kevin,、uh, a sprinkle would change. I know Kevin mostly. I mean, from the Godzilla fandom, of course.、Right. Uh, he's involved with a lot of model kit related stuff. And、uh, tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, sir. I don't know. God, I hate talking about myself. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been building and painting models since I was four years old. Okay, that's enough. That's totally enough for them. They don't need to know more than that. All right. Next up, I think、uh, it's Barry. Right. It is Barry. Yes. Hey, man, how's it going? It's、yes. going swell. Barry Evans.、Uh, I know Barry. I met you at the Godzilla Final Wars premiere. Actually, dude, that's where、oh, I met most、it. of you guys. Well, that's where I met、uh, the the next guy we're going to talk to and Kevin. So,、uh, how's it going, Barry? It's going splendid. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, sir. I make、uh, <laughs> costumes, mostly. Seventies、uh, and eighties Tokusatsu heroes. So if you see somebody running around in a V three costume, it's most likely me. I'm just a big Sentai and、uh, Common Rider fan from years and years, and known most of these people since the early eighties. Yeah, since we were wee lads. Since we were wee lads. <laughs> and,、um, ah, the olden days. Yeah, yeah. Just been. Butch、uh, and Barry and I have known each other since late seventies.、Well, yeah. yeah, we all hung around in the same circles. Before Dell was even born, I think. <laughs> 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 Young Dell. Dell was just wow. Yes, back when the internet was something you fished with. <laughs> yeah, but I've just been a big toy collector since the seventies, and been doing costuming and stuff since the eighties. Right on, man. Well, it's good to have you back on, sir. It's good to be here again. And- 
All right. And that leaves us with Butch. Butch, how's it going, dude? What's up, brother? Uh, do me a favor and uh, introduce yourself for the listeners. Uh, Butch Porce, hello. Um, basically, I'm just a fan of the genre, whether it be uh, any kind of movie in general, whether it be Japanese, American. I just like everything about film and, and uh, Godzilla films in general. Very cool. Well, so you guys, when did you, the group there, minus Dell, of course, when did you guys go to Japan? 2009, November. Yeah, November 2009. Yeah, 2009, November. What was the catalyst for that trip? How did you guys, I know that we have actually talked about this before, so if anybody hasn't listened was, to that episode. I was going anyway. Yeah. I was going to go in October. I think I always go in uh, October. And Butch said he wanted to go, if I remember correctly. Badly. And then... <laughs> Bob was on the fence and he decided to go. Then Kevin, I, I, I may be wrong in the, yeah. Then what was it? We ended up, we ended up, I Bob remember, and I were I discussing it. it. Yeah. Because he'd gotten together a, and, a nice little gift from his boss. Yeah. yeah. I actually, when I was at my company for like 10 years, they gave me a pretty sizable bonus. So as soon as I got that bonus, I'm like, I'm going to Japan. So, uh, in fact, it was funny because, you know, you kind of get, known for what you like, I guess, at work. So what they did on my 10th year anniversary is they took us all out to a Japanese restaurant. And then uh, my boss had bought this Godzilla from, actually from Clawmark. She didn't, she had no clue that any of us knew who Clawmark was. But uh, she bought it from Clawmark. And then she had it, it was like a little one that you can uh, hit the button and it walks. And so she had it walk this envelope out to me on the table. And it was like a bonus. So yeah, you know how, to- how slow like, those toys are, too. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're half the night. But, uh, yeah, so then I was like, "Damn, I'm going to Japan." I think first, I think I called. Uh, I think I called Butch first. I said, "Hey, we're going to Japan." But I thought you and but, I talked about it first. Talked, I think yeah. I think we were going to go in November, and then you. But said so I, like, you Butch won. and Kevin and I had not been there before, yeah. so we're riding on the coattails of Barry getting over there on that trip because he had been there quite a few times before. Bob, what was your favorite part of that trip? And well, actually, how long were you guys there? What was the time frame? I mean, I know 2009, but like, what was like, were you there for five days, a week, three weeks? We were there for 10 days. 10 days. That's a good time. That's the, when Lady Kyle and I went, that was uh, what we had 10 days. Way wasn't long enough. Wasn't long enough. And we wanted to get out to uh, Osaka and stuff, and we just ran out of time. We couldn't get out there. So, but yeah, we had, we definitely had a blast. We had a tight schedule. So, You know, we kept everything moving pretty good. I mean, we had certain things that we had kind of scheduled out, like a trip to Toho and then uh, Wakasa picking us up and taking us out everywhere and things like that. So um, it was definitely, I mean, you think, wow, 10 days is a long time. But once you get over there, man, it goes by like a like you're there 10 hours. Yeah, you, you know, sneeze and three days have gone by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, what what would you say was your favorite part of the trip when you went? God, um, probably, probably when we went to Toho. I mean, it was cool going to Wakasa's shop, but uh, Toho was definitely a nice surprise because the people taking us there basically said, you know, we haven't done much here in a while, so don't expect to see too much. Mm-hmm. We ended up, uh, let's try to make the story shorter. We ended up going to the lot, and we were going through the different uh, sound stages and that. And... Uh, they were shooting something on one soundstage. They weren't shooting that day, but they had the setup. And uh, we went to the next soundstage, and Kevin like taps me on the shoulders and goes, 
you know what that was? And I'm like, yeah. And it was like, he came up, it was the bridge of the Yamato. They were shooting the live action Yamato movie. Nice, nice. So, so, we, so we asked, it's like, you know, was that Yamato? And uh, our, our guide basically turned white and said, oh, cat's out of the bag. But he realized since, since uh, we recognize Yamato by just the front of the bridge, that we were geeky enough to uh, take further. So at that point, he took us through the costume shop. You were worthy to continue. <laughs> so then we went out, we went to the costume shop, we went to another room, and that's when uh, he had some guys bring out a box. We were wondering, what the heck is in this box? They opened it up, it was the original Oxygen Destroyer. And uh, then they also showed us, it was a little like a little helmet from uh, one of the Destroy army guys one, uh, wore Destroy All Monsters, and it was like, it was made for a little peanut head. None of us could fit in this thing, but um, but we saw that, and then uh, what was it? It was also the uh, diving helmet. The diving thing. helmet, yeah, from the original Godzilla that uh, Akihiko Hirata wore. So that was very cool. And then they said we were going to go to the secret room. And we went down this hallway and we went up, and outside the secret room was the little guardian statue from GMK. Oh, uh, cool. It was guarding the door. Yeah, the they asked me if I knew where that was. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the one that summoned Ghidorah at the end. <laughs> like, yeah. And sunk the dog into the lake. <laughs> but uh, so we went, we went in there. And, uh, yeah, that's when we saw, like, parts and heads of costumes, mainly from uh, GMK and Megaguirus and a few other films. And, yeah, it turned out to be a really cool Unexpected. The oxygen surprise. destroyer was definitely the highlight of oh, that yeah. trip, man. Oh, and then he's all like, "Do you want to hold it?" We're all like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> that night we all changed our Facebook pictures to all of us holding <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> I was just bummed we didn't get to go to uh, Toei. The people I know at Toei weren't around at that time. That's that was I was super bummed about. Now, is there a Toei in Tokyo as well? Uh, it's outside Tokyo. Yeah. Okay way the hell outside Tokyo, but um, that's where the main costume shop is where they shoot 99% of all the interiors for all the Sentai and all the writer shows. And that's, you know, when I was living in Japan, I went there every day when they were shooting Metalder and Spielband. I would just go there every day. I'd get up, go to, go to my job, get off my job at noon and go straight out to Toy and just sit there all day long rummaging through their boxes of shit and just watching them film. Nice. Filling up his knapsack. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They kept giving me stuff. And Toshio Mieke, who ended up doing the Gamera movies, was a special effects guy there. And that's who I met first. And I, I, he was just like a guy at the special effects uh, room. And he took me around there to shoot Mask Man. That was the show, uh, the Sentai show being shot at that time. So I got to watch the first episode of Mask Man with the crew and everybody that worked on it. But we watched over at Tsuburaya. And, uh, I mean, I, Something like that, you really can't, you know, an opportunity like that, it comes very seldomly. Wait a minute. So when was this? This was obviously not 86. the trip. 86. Well, I was living in Japan in uh, 86, 87. Wow, man. And I just... Wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. You lived in Japan in 1986 and 1987? Yeah. And I... Um, <laughs> I lived in Japan in 86, Damon went first. Uh, Damon Foster went. Then Augie, August Dragone went... And then I went right after him. We all went to the same school, like one after another. And I was teaching English to this lady, and her her son 
lives right next door to the tar that big pit where you always see all the the fights and all the toy shows at. So she took me to look at that, and then her son's brother goes, "Oh, my brother does these live action stunt shows. You know, does all the Sentai." And through him, I met that group of people, and through them, I met a guy that worked at Toei. So he goes, "Oh, you should come to Toei one day." So I went to Toei one day. We walked around, and I ended up meeting the suit, the guy who ran the the uh, he restored all the suits and kept them all cataloged. This guy, Mr. Nakamura. So I used to just go there every day and I riffled through all their costumes. He's like, oh yeah, take a look at stuff. And then from there I got invited to go to the Metalder set and I watched him shoot Metalder and Mask Man and Spielband was wrapping up and stuff. And then I became friends with Hiroshi Watari, who was uh who was Spielband in the show, and I ended up hanging out with him and sleeping on his floor and stuff. So But he was also Shariban. He was also Shariban. But at the time he was doing Spielband, he just did Just Beyond and was doing his own show, Spielband. And as my last few uh, months in Japan, I was kind of couch surfing. I slept on his floor for about two weeks. But through him, I met everybody at Toei, like all the stunt guys. So I was kind of, I don't know how the hell I got on that subject anyway. But. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> and I was just, I was saying earlier, like, that's funny that you lived in, I lived in Japan at the exact same time that you were there. Uh, huh. I was a kid, but, uh, but still, that's awesome. That's weird. Yeah, uh, it's just, I just, you know, I just, it was a, just a weird circumstance how I met the people I met in the I sequence I met. And then when I met Hiroshi Watari, it was at my tail end. I just couldn't find any more work. Otherwise, I would have stayed there. And I always regret not staying there longer to get more fluent. Because by the time I left, I was able to speak okay. I could talk to people and not have them go, huh? Hey? And um, I just couldn't find work. And Hiroshi found me a couple jobs working on a couple films. But I had nowhere to stay. And couch surfing in Japan is not quite you know, what people do. You know, I stayed at his house, but, you know, I stayed at his house and met every major stunt guy at, you know, Japan Action Club. And then after that, Hiroshi came to America and stayed with us for about a month, stayed at Damon's house, and I took him all over, went down to L.A. with him and stuff, so it was kind of fun. That's crazy, man. Dude, that should have been your introduction when I was like, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, it was. Now we're going to start. Yeah. <laughs> that was my introduction. And welcome to the Kaiju cast. I'm just kidding. Uh, next up was Dell. Now, Dell obviously did not go with you guys. He went uh, with me last year. Dell, what was your favorite part about you, the trip to Japan? I really liked when we visited uh, Yuriko Hishimi's uh, restaurant. That and was awesome. Satsuma, Satsuma was with us. That was really awesome. And then he, when he took us to uh, the holiday decorated uh, Daimajin statues. Oh, yeah. Outside of Katakawa. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, I really liked our our dinner at uh, Kaiju Sakaba with David and uh, Mr. Okamoto from uh, X Plus. That was really awesome. Right on. Yeah, those were those are really brilliant times, man. I uh, I will just like going back to the first one. I went to. Uh, Toy Studio Park. Yeah, I want to yeah. talk to that. I definitely want to talk about that because that was like the most unexpectedly fun thing yeah, from was, the trip. But so, it was a blast. I mean, you you're you're very knowledgeable. You know how to keep a tight schedule, how to keep the uh, the group moving in the right direction. It was really awesome. That's right. I am the taskmaster. master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Oh, we just want to stop and go to the bathroom. No, yeah. onward. <laughs> That's what I learned from my last trip two years ago is to make a schedule. It's very important if you're going to go to Japan, make a schedule. You try to stick to it the best you can because believe me, it'll help you. 
And I remember being the sheepdog of our group. It was like, okay, go back and get Butch. Go get back, get, get Bob. Go back and get, okay, come on, come on. Stay with the group. Stay in the group. What's the group? Yeah, you you and me were like boogie the whole time. <laughs> no. I was thinking, no, there's no way Kevin's going to keep up. And me and Kevin charged up Tokyo Tower. Nice. <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't get that far because my asthma went off because of some some lady's horrible perfume. Yeah. And then Bob passed me, and then Butch came up right next to me. He looked like you. you were you suffering from asthma too at that no, time? No, I was just I was just tired. I was just tired, man. Yeah, we're all old men, but it's like, yeah, you go up Tokyo Tower, and it's like, not only. Is it a lot of flights, but the stairs are really small. Yeah. So it's almost like two stairs for every American stair. You know, this <laughs> is like, so you're doing twice as many footsteps up each floor or each story. But yeah, I always kind of like, you know, ah, oh, the elevator's packed. Screw it. We'll just walk <laughs> up. And we got up there. We were like, yeah, didn't want to pay for the elevator. elevator. 10 minutes of altitude sickness later. Pretty much. <laughs> you see Tokyo Tower not smashed yeah <laughs> no webbing that was my first thought when i was <laughs> How come it's not burning <laughs> my first thought when i first went to japan was nice to see tokyo tower nuts and i went there it is wow it's not knocked over <laughs> kevin what was your favorite part about going to japan oh man well just the fact of going finally after 40 years <laughs> and that was that that was the that was the most amazing part it's like uh, the realization that right after you bought that ticket it's like wow i'm going I'm really going to this finally. You know, Bob stole my my favorite part of the trip. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's his I mean, garage. That, that I mean, well, I know, but I mean, <laughs> just 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 figuring out what that was and asking our uh, with our guide Shimizu if it was that, and just seeing his eyes bug out, and then yeah, just just push secret. us and just push us out of that studio, and then turn to me and go, "It's a secret," and then disappear for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like not knowing what the hell I did. Or it's like, did we just kill our trip? I mean, we're going to get kicked out. And yeah, that was. The door was wide open. It was like anybody walking by could see it. Yeah, but I mean, who who, knew us? Well, that's like, like, oh, hey, that doesn't look like a a period ship. It's got this. Hey, is it this? Out the door. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, yeah, he, he was, he was very, he was very surprised. I recognized that. You know, on our way to the, the prop room, um, we forgot to mention that uh, the Toho pool was being uh, was still sort of there, but is being worked over, which is now a building. But uh, you can see the whole outline of where the pool used to be at. Yeah, it was like half of it was gone. Yeah, yeah. it's just like filled with cement. Yeah, yeah we ended up picking. Yeah. Well, then there was that other kind of weird, smaller pool over to the side where it, at least it was very dirty. Yeah, it was just really, it's this really <laughs> small, dirty pool, and it's like. It was almost like when you went, when you go to SeaWorld or something, you go underneath to see Shamu, you can like look under the water. There's like this big window. Yeah. Has, I guess where they do the underwater shots. Of, like, the underwater shots and stuff. But yeah, that was, which, a, which that was the closest we got to the actual toe. Probably had much DNA for many, many, many years of peeing in. <laughs> Barry, I know you got to talk about something awesome from when you lived in Japan, but when you went on the trip with these guys, what was one of your favorite parts? I'd still have to say going to Toho and going to Dai, uh, yeah, Daie. Not that we got to go in Daie because it was all closed down, but also I think going to Akasa's shop, I think was a highlight just because I liked, I geeked out over all his, uh, I didn't realize all the shows he had worked on. Oh, like photo books. Like uh, uh, Andromelos yeah. and he made some of the Kaijin and Skyrider. And I was just, I was blown away. And we spent hours riffling through all his photo archives. And I think for me, 
that was probably the highlight of that. And then I talked to him mostly about, uh, you know, the uh, hero stuff, which he likes because he told me a lot of people just talked to him about Godzilla and nobody really talks about the hero stuff. So, but he loves V3. Yeah, he's yeah. huge V3 yeah. nut. So it was nice. His shop was really cool. Everybody that worked there was nice. It was really nice to see the shop in action and people actually making stuff. But aside from holding the destroyer, I'd say what cost his shop was easily the uh, second big highlight of that trip, if not. You know, on par with the destroyer, but holding that destroyer was pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Well, the yeah. dinner he took us to was amazing. Oh, yeah, he took us to uh, Izakaya Bar. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And I was just kind of like, let's see what the Americans will eat. <laughs> he, he was asking me all those questions on the way there. We yeah, eat this. I was like, yes. We eat this. Yes. We eat this. Yes. And he's like, look at me all funny. <laughs> we ate everything he was putting in front of us. Well, he was just saying he didn't eat with us. But, you know, over Japan, over <laughs> Japan, you can still smoke in the restaurants. So he was, like, sitting at the head of the table smoking, and then he goes, I will order. And he just ordered yeah. stuff and just, he wouldn't tell us what it is. He says, here, eat this. Yeah. Create it, he would tell us what it was. I went to an izakaya with uh, Shinpei Hayashia, and we sort of had a similar situation, but he was he was actually eating with us. Uh, but yeah, there was some really interesting dishes that came on and yeah, put on the table. Most is not eating any of the stuff. He <laughs> ate a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he like they had the little grilled. Uh, I want to say it's a like grilled mackerel, tiny little fish, and he was like, "Oh, you can eat the whole thing." And so we popped it in our mouth, and he picked up his and then tore the head off and only ate the body. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so, uh, Butch, what about you, man? What was your favorite part of the trip? Um, well, that's kind of hard to pinpoint down to the nitty gritty. Um, just the whole experience of being in Japan, um, was enough for me. I mean, when you, uh, if you enjoy all these films and all of a sudden you have an opportunity for the first time to go to the country that, or it originates from, um, that to me was, uh, was very exciting. Um, you know, taking in all the, the sites with my friends, um, that, that was good times. You know, obviously going to Toho. and But, you know, I, not only do I like the, you know, the Japanese films, but also I'm a big person. I love film locations. And I, if I had to say one thing that I probably enjoyed the most, and, and uh, Bob Johnson gives me a hard time about it because we walked our butts off, uh, was when we went to uh, Nagoya Castle. That was a, yeah. Kevin's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that was a good walk. Yeah, there was, it was a, a lot. Great, of it was a great walk, but we ended up going to from the Nagoya Castle all the way to one of the towers that I noticed in the distance where Godzilla supposedly walked all the way. Well, we walked and almost died doing it. But uh, that was probably the big deal for me because uh, that castle. Uh, and actually, when I went back to Japan a couple of years ago, I actually uh, took my uh, fiance, or actually my wife now, um, we got engaged in Japan. Um, I took her to that castle, and uh, and she loved it all as well. So just visiting castles and seeing the actual Japanese countryside and everything, that's really what I enjoy. And also most. going to a Tommy Joe that uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla smashed up. We took that little tram up to that. That was fun. That was fun, too. That's a neat little area. I'd never gone to that area before. It's really, really nice. A little seaside town. Yeah, we seen it right off the train. It was like, oh, let's stop. You know, let's stop off the train. Let's just check it out. And that's exactly what we did. And then right by the castle where there was that little weird kind of... 
penis museum. Penis or, museum. Or whatever. Yeah, it's weird. Like about about three blocks or so. I can't remember now, but down the street is like close. a penis museum. Yeah. Like this big, it's bizarre. But Virility it's, museum. Yeah, it was just very nice. strange. It had like a like a turtle in the the head coming out. Turtles and penis and things. It's like just bizarre stuff. And so that was. I'm assuming the collective group's favorite part was the penis museum. <laughs> yes, I think we all can agree on that. They couldn't pull me away from it. Better than the oxygen destroyer. <laughs> Make sure you put that in the schedule for the uh, kaiju cast. Trip. Yeah, that's a that's great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, I am curious if uh, if you guys had to suggest something to a newbie who had never been to Japan before, what's a piece of advice you would give? Uh, and let's just go but one by one. Bob, what would you say to somebody who wants to go to Japan? Uh, what's some advice for them? Give yourself time. I mean, sometimes you think like, hey, a week-long vacation would be really cool, but, you know, a week you'll be just like leaving, thinking about all things you weren't able to do. It's like, like I say, we went 10 days and we didn't get in everything you do so you know sometimes you know things are closed or things you know whatever you just can't do stuff but you know once you get over there and once you kind of if you know anyone there or if you know uh how to get around or whatever there's just so much to do and so much to see that yeah it'll just go by so fast so just i'd say you know 10 days to two weeks if you're gonna go now, this is interesting. What would you say to somebody who might not be able to take that much time off from their job? What would you say would be the least amount of time that you would even consider going to Japan? Ten a days. Week. <laughs> uh, ten days. I mean, at least a week. But, I yeah. mean, if, if you're there a week, you got to really schedule it out and hope everything goes just right to hit everything you want to yeah. hit. Because, I mean, really, you know, you think, I'm going to Tokyo. Everything's in Tokyo. Everything is not in Tokyo. Oh, I agree with that, so yeah. You get on trains, and you're riding trains and whatever, and it's like, you know, like when we went out to Nagoya Castle, that was like a, that was like a whole day right there. Two hours, two hours. on the bullet hours. train, out we go, hanging out there, you know, walking around the neighborhood and stuff, and then coming back, it's like, yeah, it just burns yeah. the whole day. Uh, all the beforehand research you can do on timetables, train schedules. And make it's sure like, there's no holidays yeah that's the other thing i went once during golden week and it sucked oh dude that would suck it was horrible (laughs) i was there for a month but um just going through golden week was just like a week of nothing all my friends were available so that was kind of nice but there was nothing to do so for the listeners out there that don't know what golden week is it's basically when you not exactly this but the entire nation shuts down and it's there on holiday for like a week straight we need one of those over here. That'd be cool. <laughs> Although I think the country wouldn't know how to function. But uh, so, uh, what about you, Dell? Give me a suggestion for a newbie that's that's never been before to Japan. I found that the the passmo card was really useful. We had to use that uh, a lot of times because we didn't. Um, there are times where we, we couldn't use the JR pass because we when you get. Um, Japanese rail pass it only works on the JR line yeah so a lot of those uh, trains were um, private lines and they have this um, car that you can charge up with the with the end called the Passmo or whatever and the thing that I learned is that you can pay with that card at a lot of places so my tip now is to um, 
put a bunch of money on that card. So then uh, when you pay for stuff like food, you don't end up with a bunch of change because I had like tons of change, tons cool. of little so coins like, in my pocket that were weighing me down. It was like like your own personal Japanese ATM yeah, card. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Not good tip. That's it. That's what I'll do the next time. Yeah, the, that is a good suggestion. Or you got a Pasmo card. The Pasmo or the Suica card. Yeah. Both of those can, will work you can almost purchase anywhere. It at the station, they have kiosks there. You can purchase the. How much would you say you should put on there? What do we do? We usually kept about 20, uh, around 20 bucks on our Passmo cards because we were trying, we were sometimes going out of our way to use the JR passes because we had them. And for the listeners uh, that are listening to this that might not know what we're talking about, you can get basically a rail pass that'll take you anywhere in Japan as long as it's on the JR lines. Now, when you're in Tokyo proper, a majority of the system of trains are not JR. They're run by Tokyo Metro and other private lines. So you'll have to use some other method of payment. Whereas a rail pass, you can just, you know, walk into the station, go to the JR line. Our favorite, of course, being the Yamanote line that goes uh, on a loop around Tokyo. But yeah, when you need to travel outside of those JR lines, that's what Dell is talking about using a card that you can charge up called a Passmo. Except for the bullet train. But the JR pass works on most bullet trains. The JR Pass will work on the um, Hikari line of, of uh, bullet trains. The Nozomi line is the the more expensive line, and they don't work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we bought we bought tickets because we took the Express, which was bing, bing, two and two. Yeah, I made the mistake once taking a local train line from Tokyo to Nagoya, talking about a freaking nine-hour drive. Oh, my God, dude. Step, that it, it go, yay. I'm like, wow, we're making a great time. Then stop. Stop, 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 stop. And I was like, never do that. That's an entire day wasted. Yeah, you gotta look for the express. Jeez, it was the worst. Work. I had no idea. Well, the good thing to... is also is um, Google Maps is your friend. Oh, hell yes, dude. <laughs> Google Maps is your friend. If you got Wi-Fi connection or some kind of connection, man, that's, it's, it's so awesome. It'll tell you what time to take the train. So, Kevin, you were talking about like knowing the train tables. You don't have to know them anymore because Google Maps actually has all that information. And they even, when there's an outage, I'm not going to say every time, but uh, when there's like, uh, you know, some kind of accident on the track, they'll actually alert you that there's some sort of, you know, alert for that train right there in the Google map program. It's it's also good to know, you know, how long it's going to take you to get to and from someplace too. Yeah. Yeah, That's why it's so And look around that area you're going to, because there might be something close by that you want to see too. So like I said, the, the research, the research is still valuable. Absolutely. Just got to do it. Yes, I researched the hell out of our trip. Oh, man. <laughs> Bring lots of money. You should see Kyle's board. He's uh, his travel board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Ridiculous. It's a, it's you a, guys all get together like impressive. in a war room and you have the board out. And <laughs> kind of. Figures around. It was thing. all online, but uh, man, it was very detailed. And, and essentially. <laughs> it was basically, you know, a way for me to say, hey, these are the things I want to do. And then if someone had a suggestion that I would add it to a, like a category, basically, there's no way. Like when I looked at that whole board with all of those ideas, I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to do even half of this stuff. But we did a ton of it. I'm really impressed with what we were able to get done. Yeah, it was cool. I'm happy with what, yeah. what we saw and what we did. Yeah, I thought it was good. It's cool that we have stuff left over that we can do again. Or yeah, most definitely. Do the next time. So, Barry, you've been over to Japan a bunch, so you are not 
what I would call a newbie, obviously. But if you knew somebody that was going over and they'd never been before, what would be the piece of advice you give them? I guess it depends on what you're going for. People go there to buy toys. People go there to sightsee. People go there to see location shot movies. I would say, like, when we all went together, they wanted to go to all the, gods, you know, some of the main Godzilla sites like Nagoya Joe and Atami Joe. Mm-hmm. So we plotted that out. Went there. We went to uh, Dai Boots. So we did that one day. Nice. And um, then... Me and Kevin, of course, wanted a toy shop, so we made sure to schedule that. But I guess for um, you know, for traveling to find locations, like they were talking about the the scheduling stuff, you know, with the JR line. But if you're toy shopping, it seems so accessible now to find addresses in mm-hmm. places. So I would just say research as much as you can online and get all the addresses you can. And now Osaka, you know, like. Anime Jungle's huge down there. Now they're branching out. There's a good Mandrake in Osaka now. There's two of them. And the biggest book off is in Osaka at the main Shinosaka station. Astro Zombies is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't be afraid to go in small shops. Yeah. Because like, like, there's stuff inside the backs and just strange little elevators will take you to different levels that have all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lots of shops. I didn't know were in the back of grocery stores because grocery stores will have like big back rooms. They don't use. So they rent those out to people. I've gone to toy shops that are in somebody's apartment is also a toy shop. The best toy shopping is outside Tokyo. You go to Chiba, all the small cities, you can just take any train, get out. That's what I did when I first moved there. I had a week before I had to start working, so I basically just pulled out a map and just closed my eyes and put my finger on a map and just got out and just walked around the station, got made little circles, went farther and farther, and I found some of the coolest little shops, like that shop Batman that was in Coco Bungie that was around like the 70s, 80s, closed around 92, 93. I stumbled on that just by walking, got out the station, made circles, and I found it. It was one of the coolest toy shops I'd ever seen. On Facebook, I just posted a picture of a shop I found in Nagoya that I'd never seen before, and I just stumbled on it in a little mall, but it's a giant full of nothing but 80s and under toys, nothing from, and nothing newer than like 1990. So it was a gold mine for like 70s and 80s, you know, Godzilla and Tokusatsu stuff. I I would just say, you know, if you got the time, just pick a station anywhere and just walk around. That's yeah. how Adventure. I found the best stuff. <laughs> Actually, I found Rainbow used to have a shop where they would sell uh, recasts of some of the prop hand props from the toy shows, and that was around outside Coco Bungie, and I had no idea that was there either. Or, uh, Augie told me about it, but I didn't know where it was. He didn't remember, and I just stumbled on it walking down the street. I saw this weird building, these class, show, these class cases that were like you know six feet tall. I looked up, and one had Vol Eagle from Senvulcan. One had Common Rider, and the other one had just some weird armor suit. And it was a rainbow shop. And you go in there, and you just buy little castings of like the badges and stuff. So I dumped a grand in that shop. So <laughs> easily, yeah. like, like I said before, money. Yeah, money is a good thing to bring for sure. Lots of money, dude. Do you guys know that Seven uh, Elevens, all Seven Elevens in Japan right now, you can use your U.S. ATM cards now? Yeah. I always used my Citibank card. I, was, I never used anything but my Citibank yeah, card. Yeah, I used my ATM at uh, the Mandarakes and stuff, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was able to do that, too. But just for not having to take out a ton of cash in, uh, before, in America. Well, yeah. The first time I used my ATM in Japan, 
I went there, I bought all the stuff I had, like whatever it was, six grand in the bank to spend on junk, spent it all. And I come back home and I go, wow, I still got $3,000 left. I didn't realize the transaction time frame is longer. So they didn't process the payment. So I'm like spending money I didn't have. And I was like, you got a $2,000 overdraft note. I was like, what the hell? Well, another thing to do too when you go over is let your bank know you're going. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I went over there and I spent you know some some money on the first day over there. And then the second day I went to use my ATM card. It wouldn't work. So I had to like wait for you know middle of the night when it was daytime here. They call my bank, and they they thought that it was a fraudulent charge because you know you don't live in Japan. There's all this money being spent in Japan, so let them know ahead of time so they don't yeah. like block your card because they think someone in Japan stole your number or something. That's always a good thing. That's to what do. they like about Citibank. You know, there's Citibanks all over Japan. So I just walked in there. I just get cash with no uh, uh, exchange fee, which was a really good thing. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, in 2011, that's or 2000. 13 when I went that's uh, I totally used Citibank but now uh, sometime I think in thir- 2014 that's when all every freaking 7-Eleven put these ATMs in and they were it was literally one of the easiest things to do to get money now as opposed to when you have to like figure out how much cash you're going to carry around for the whole day it was awesome and the only problem is you could get out like basically 10,000 yen was the the least amount of money you could get out, but it was still, it was still worth it to just go and hit that in the morning and then have enough to spend for the rest of the day. Anyway, what about you, Butch? What would you say your, uh, your one tip for a newbie would be? Um, I would say just, uh, like most everyone said, just be prepared. Um, and I, when I say be prepared, I mean, do your research as much as possible because, uh, Japan is not really, uh, in English, uh, friendly country, so to speak. You know, there's not really a lot of English signs telling you what to do, um, where to go. It's uh, It can be very confusing, uh, and you can get lost rather quickly, uh, which I've discovered many times when I was there. Uh, try to pick out landmark areas where you know where uh, you can get back to. So, you know, get familiar with your, your where you're staying at. If you're staying at a hotel in Tokyo like we did, you know, be try to, you know, when you get there, Try to get familiar with the area. That way, you know, you know where you're going and, and you know how to get back to, uh, to where, you know, to where from point A to point B. So, um, I, I would highly suggest that. Um, there's, uh, one I understand there's also, uh, you can buy hotspots. Is that for your Google? And I think that works out real well because I ended up, uh, renting a, a phone when I was there and, uh, that helped me out a lot. Um, just in case I got into a situation where, uh, I needed to find some place or make a call or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I highly recommend that. Know the train stations. Know how to, uh, if you have a JR passes, which, which I used on, uh, both my trips when I went to Japan, um, those helped out a lot. And, you know, it's a pretty low cost way of traveling, especially if you want to get outside of the, the main city of Tokyo, if you want to travel on the JR lines, which, which I did a lot. I mean, I went to Nagoya and I went to, uh, other places in Japan. So I would just say, just make sure that when you do your research, know where you're going, know how to get back. And, uh, I think you'd be okay. Very cool. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if I had to give somebody one tip, I think it would be just do your research. That seems to be, uh, not only is the one tip that has served me best, it's also basically something I enjoy doing. So yeah. Remember when you gave me a call that one night and you were asking me about, about your trip? My yeah, last- yeah. 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 You know, I mean, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I spent, and I'm not kidding you. I spent, six months researching 
every place that I was going. And I was there for two weeks with my wife. Right. And I had that whole trip laid out from going to Toho, meeting Takarada, where I was going to meet him at, where, you know, how, all the timelines that we had to go, um, you know, taking my trips to Nagoya to, to, to everywhere that I needed to go. I made sure that every day was scheduled. You know, I also took uh, bus tours. I mean, I even scheduled to the point where sometimes I would take a bus tour and I would say, okay, I don't need to be part of this. I'm serious. I don't need to be part of this tour anymore. I've already seen this. I want to go here. So I would actually get off the tour and I would get onto a bus going to another location because I already seen Mount Fuji. So I needed to go to a certain other area of, of uh, Japan. So I actually got off the tour and I had my other arrangements already made. So being being on a schedule, it, it's it's very important. Uh, and it will get you out of a lot of trouble. So I'm assuming everybody in that garage wants to go back to Japan. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that place stinks. We, well, we're, a lot of us were talking about going back um, for the uh, winter winterfests and and everything else. So you know, it would be nice. I've, I've never actually been to one, and I've seen friends who've actually gone. So it'd be really cool to, to see that, experience that. There's just so much in Japan. I mean, I, you know. I, I, I will say this. Um, one of my biggest regrets is is uh, waiting too late in life to actually make these trips. You know, you know, you got guys who are younger than myself, like Dell and everything. They still have a lot of time left, you know, going on. They still have many years. Like, that's one thing I regret is not taking more trips, you know, say in Japan when I was like in my 20s or my 30s. I had to wait until, you know, my, my 40s to do so. Yeah, you still got a few years left. <laughs> but the first time we went, I mean... I think what was the, the yen was so kicking the dollar's butt. We were, we were just like our dollars yeah, sucked right. there. It's a great. It was like the worst. Right it was the worst time now. Actually, Dell, you know what? It's actually not great right now. It's starting okay. to get stronger. Oh, yeah. but when we went, it was really good. It I was, know. Yeah, it was like one. Well, yeah, the last couple of years it was like really great, and it's like crap. Yeah, you know, first first time I went, it was like almost two to the dollar was like so cheap mm-hmm. man you go there for like 600 bucks and you might as well it's like you had you know 1500 it was so nice i've got you know another I, tip uh kyle it's kind of underrated but uh if you got big feet bring comfortable shoes <laughs> <laughs> this is dedicated to my friend uh, john bumpy yes yeah, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say com. if you've got big feet Bring comfortable shoes because you're not going to find shoes in Japan for you. Nope. <laughs> That's a lot of walking. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, John thought he was going to be okay in these, like, leather zip-up, lace-up boots. And I guess after the first two days, he was like, oh, no. And then we we tried to go to three or four different shops. I think every time we saw a shoe store, we stopped. But every time, like, he wears size 12. And they'd walk in and be like, they just laugh at him. <laughs> Well, plus, if you're thinking of buying stuff when you're there, which you probably are, make sure to bring like a suitcase and a suitcase and a suitcase or a duffel bag or something. Um, we kind of lucked out. Butch and I found like these duffel bags there that were like really cheap and they were huge, and we were able to cram a bunch of stuff in those. But um, and then also while you're there, I mean, you might want to look into actually shipping stuff back instead of like bringing it on a plane or whatever. Uh, yeah, I was looking yeah. uh, right down my hotel. There was a uh, there's a mailbox place. Yeah, you were smart, Kevin. You brought that scale, so you yeah. knew exactly how much. The, the oh, yeah, last Kevin brought like 
tape and a scale. And well, I, I had a couple boxes like just in case, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't buy half as much as I thought I would. I was able to hit pretty much fit everything in my big suitcase. Not me. My last trip, yeah. I splurged. But uh, well, no. I mean, even I mean, I was ready to splurge. It was just like the, that first day of shopping at Nakano Mall. Yeah, I came out with a little sack that had a candy toy in it. And you came out with uh, what the Ymir and, and some and other that, bit. the big Godzilla was that no that no was that was the, that was the next time. But yeah, it was. It's like, where's your bags? Are they shipping them for you? It's like I just bought this. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you were really choosy. I was very surprised. Yeah. But I was looking for sp- uh, specific things. Yeah, yeah and, I, mean, you know, I would say like you know if you go over, treat it like you'll never be there again. Yeah. It's like <laughs> if you see something you want, get it. Yep. Yeah. You know, Stuff will disappear the next day. You know. And the other thing about like the money is like. Yeah, if you use your ATM card, that's cool. But if you're paying cash for stuff and using yen, it's like monopoly money. You're not really exactly sure how much it is. It's like play money because it doesn't look like a dollar bill or a five dollar bill. Yeah, and it freaks you. Can easily just fritter away money. Like, yeah, it freaks you out because you see something for five hundred yen. You're like, wow, that's like fifty. Your brain doesn't process. It's a little over six bucks. So, I just kind of consider it a penny. A penny to the end, so five hundred is five bucks. If you start thinking about what it really is, you won't buy anything. You yeah, know, keep cash on you too, because I missed an opportunity to buy uh, the uh, I can't say the name of it, the X Plus um, or whatever you call it from uh, X from Outer Space. Cool. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I missed an opportunity to buy that because the person who was selling it only accepted cash, and uh, I didn't have cash because I had my uh, ATM with me and. Uh, I totally blew that one. They were selling that that piece for like forty five bucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got the glow in the dark one that cheap. Yeah. I think I bought mine off somebody at WonderCon for sixty five bucks or something. Yeah, my last trip to Japan, I ended up sending back about seven boxes. Yeah. Yeah, of toys. That that's not including what I took back on the plane. I was able to smuggle in my wife's uh, suitcase too. Yeah, the last time I went. <laughs> Years ago, I bought. I had so many vinyls. I went to Wayno and I bought a, a expandable. It looked like a duffel. It had a plastic bottom with four wheels, but it looked like a sack, and you could pull it up, and it goes up to like five and a half feet tall. Yep. <laughs> and it was it was taller than than uh, my girlfriend. I took at the time, just packed full of vinyls, and I I didn't ship it back. It's the only thing I brought back with me on the plane, aside from my suitcase, and it had like thousand over the vinyls. I remember. Going through, I got it onto the plane, no problem. I'd pay for like 200 bucks for it. I was going through customs and wheeling this thing as tall as me. And the guy, Joe, knows that body in there. And I go, no. Because what's in I go, oh, you know, like transformer toys and things like that. And I unzipped and showed him one. He goes, oh, yeah, my nephews, if I don't buy him a transformer toy, they'll freak out. And guys are like, because, you know, that's a lot of money. They'll, they'll, if they're going to be real jerks, they'll pull it out, price the whole thing, and charge you for it. So I just kind of played it off. And I was like wheeling this big thing down the runway. <laughs> But yeah, when, we, when we were leaving case. Japan, it's like, well, it just looked like a homeless person. He had so many bags and stuff he was dragging <laughs> through. I thought, oh, man, they're going to stop him for sure. And they did stop me. <laughs> yeah, they, they stopped me actually twice before I got on the plane. I was so upset. He was carrying and wheeling and pushing. Yeah, that yeah, was ridiculous. Hey, do you know no. Brett Kibley? No, I don't. Uh, this guy, he's, he used to live up here. And he's a kaiju collector and he lives in Denver now. But my last time I went... I didn't even know he was there. We were there the same amount of time. I was boarding the plane. He was boarding the plane at the same time. I was like, what the hell are you doing here? It was like really strange to see him. And he was like me, a bag full of junk that we uh, took with us. Yeah. But I mostly buy, I try to buy like props, like, uh, you know, like henching belts and helmets and things. And those are always way too big. 
Yeah, yeah, you can't the, really squeeze too many of those in a suitcase, yeah. I would imagine. No. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I noticed at the Manoraki stores, um, they're they're very different, um, obviously in the stores themselves. But a lot of times I noticed that the, the, there's a big price difference sometimes at different stores compared to like if you go to the Nakano Broadway Mall, where that seems like a very touristy kind of deal. Oh yeah, totally. That's where they. That's where they'll price gouge you for sure. Oh, yeah, big time. So that's something I would recommend people looking into. Um, you know, go to the ones uh, in Shibuya, which were pre- pretty decently priced. Because uh, my last trip to Japan, um, I spent a lot of time actually going to a lot of those stores compared to uh, the other trip that I made. So um, I was I was really noticing that the, the price differences, and you know, when if you can't find something here, try to find something there. But that's one of the things that I highly recommend is don't go to the Con Broadway and see something, uh, if you have time, obviously. You know, if you see something, you know, try to, you know, price it out. And if it's not too much, go to another one and see if they have the same thing there. And, you also and, have to remember, yeah, Mondrake Online Auction, all the items you see on the auction site are the same items in the Nakano Mall. So, like, you can look at it at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you go back the next morning, it's gone because it may have sold on auction. Or, in and, or, yeah, they only take some of the premium items from the other, like the Akihabara store and the Shibuya store. There used to be one in Shinjuku right at the west exit of the Shinjuku station. That one closed. But uh, I noticed that, too, that um, things disappear really fast. If you see it you want it, you should buy it right then. Yeah. The easiest consignment stores you get to are the highest priced. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I learned uh, very quickly when we were over there that if I wanted something, I should get it immediately. Like we were, I think I went to Akihabara twice. And the first time I went, I didn't see anything that I wanted. The second time, which was only a couple of days later, they had like the, um, the color version X plus figures of uh, Godzilla and Angulus from 1955. And I was like, well, that's not going to be there tomorrow. I'm getting that. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing that happened to me. We, we went to the one in Akia. Yeah. I called it Akiabachi. <laughs> but uh, we went there and I was like, ah, man, there's a lot of stuff, but not what I was looking for. And then the last, like our last trip out there, I found three model kits that I was looking for. Was that the seven floors? Yeah. yeah. That was the seven floor one. And they were, they were just, they were, they were brand new consignment items that had just been priced. Yeah. And they were just like sitting right there. Hey, hey, you fat guy. Buy this. <laughs> that store is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you can spend your whole day. Seven floors store. of stuff. I remember I, I went by the store and I, my wife was with me and she looks up at that thing. And I said, babe, don't worry about it. We're not going to go to everyone. We're just going to go to two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go to the anime or the cosplay no, floor. Yeah, yeah. She's seen the look on her face though. It's like, but, but man, I, I, I spent, I, I don't, I would say what a good 45 minutes to an hour. Just going through the model shelves because they have just so much stuff back behind themselves. It's like, what's oh, here? yeah, here? for sure. Yeah. Well, that's like, the thing. Everything's kind of like just stacked and packed. Yeah. And you got to just. And of course, the, the very last shelf, I find this one cool old resin Godzilla model. It's like, oh, okay, cool, score. You're just there for an hour. Like, I, think still. That, I think one of the biggest piece of advice is don't bring somebody with you that's not into the hobby. That's the biggest buzzkill. Because yeah, you want to go do something if they're not if they're not into the same things you are. It's really difficult. To, uh, this is boring. Yeah, yeah. I did that once. I'll never do that again. Yeah, on the trip that we did just uh, last year, everyone—not everyone, but most of the people on the trip—had their significant others, and so what that was cool because they actually got to sort of hang out together when uh, when they weren't right next to their their SOs in 
enjoying their their uh, their hubbies or their their <laughs> boyfriend's uh, time in the shops. So, what else are you guys looking forward to in the future for going to Japan? Go to Toei. Yeah, yeah, so uh I, so when when uh we went, we were in Kyoto and we did this really whirlwind tour of like maybe six places in Kyoto and on our way from one to the other, yeah, we saw this uh Toei <laughs> movie studio uh park or whatever it's called. Oh, Toei uh, Hero uh, Hero World? No, uh Toei. no, it was actually the Studio Park. Yeah, to- Toei Studio Park. Everybody. What's the one we, we went to? What was that? I can't remember the name of it. Toei Hero World. I think that's in Shiba. I've heard, I've heard of the park. It's pretty amazing. Where we went yeah. and saw the show. Oh, that's Korakuen. Oh, okay. Tokyo. Okay. Tokyo. Well, um, so when we were, so we we're walking from place to place and, and, uh, that evening I had dinner with Stuart Galbraith and I said, Hey man, I'm curious. We saw this sign for this thing called the Toei Studio Park. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? And then Stuart started telling me about this amazing experience that was awaiting me at this, at this park where they basically shot a whole bunch of samurai films. And, uh, it was basically like Universal Studios from when I was a kid. So like in the early eighties, but instead of it being an American studio company, it was basically like a Japanese version of that. And it was freaking rad. Um, the next day, I was really interested in going. And so Dell and I decided to, you know, abandon my other travel companions. Uh, and we went to Kyoto. And we missed out on the Owl Cafe. Yeah, we missed out on the Owl Cafe, which I'm sure was great, but not nearly as great as uh, as the studio park. It was really fun. Huh. Yeah, that thing was awesome. You know, that if we go again, we should do the cosplay thing now. If we go again, I'm going, I want to make that like the, first thing in the morning till we're done kind of situation. Yeah. Cause we, what time did we get in there? It was, it was, Dude, we didn't get there till like noonish or one. Yeah. Yeah. We should do the whole day thing, but definitely like the cosplay was pretty awesome because the, the period cosplay. Yeah. So you, what you can do is you can uh, go to this, basically it's a costume shop inside of the studio park and you rent a, period accurate or at least a film period accurate uh, costume you could be a samurai or a ninja or I'm sure I know there are at least you know six or seven different options for you there it was cool we saw a couple people who are dressed up and I think uh, I thought at first that they were from the actual park but Del you thought that they were actually visitors yeah they're visitors because they, they were just, just hanging out at the park in, in yeah because they were just hanging around taking pictures and stuff and, but they there was like one guy dressed as a samurai, but he had the cool wig on, and then he had the uh, the eye patch. It was totally It was like crazy. That's in Kyoto. Yeah, Frontier Village when you could like rent the yeah. cowboy suits and stuff yeah. like that. And then you know, Barry mentioned the Karakuen Park. It's like we went there, and it was like uh, Sutomo Kitagawa was part of a big Sentai show. Yeah, the Shintanger like show. Stunt, yeah, like big stunt show. We went and saw that, and they're like, you know. Yeah, it's like the old Frontier Village and stuff, where it's like, you know, they're like up jumping off of buildings on the stage and landing, you know, like in mattresses under the, underneath the stage and stuff. And they're coming down from the ceiling into the audience and everything else. It was a wild stunt show. And the first cool. time I went was Flashman show. Flashman just came on air. And I went to it every weekend 
for two months <laughs> until they switched over to the Flashman show. I was there every, and I, I, I videotaped it. I watched enough times where I knew what I sat in the very front. Now they have blocks. You have to, well, you know, you, you buy a ticket and then you're in a block, like block A gets first picked in BBC, but before it's first come first serve. So when I, I borrowed the school, I was teaching English and I borrowed a video camera. I'd been there so many times I knew where everything's coming from. So I sat in the front row and I'd been there so many times sitting in the same couple seats that the guys knew me, the actors knew me because I was there. I, you know, I look like Billy Idol kind of bleach blonde hair and I was always in the front row videotaping. They came up and started messing around with me when I was videotaping it. And uh, I didn't realize that, you know, they closed down the entire section of the park, but, um, that videotape, I need to transfer it to DVD because it's, it's really hilarious. And I shot all of the way Karakwin looked. Like I was just bored. And I walked, they had a hallway with every poster from every show they ever did since they started in 71, I think, when Common Rider was the first show. And I videotaped the whole park, everything around the superhero stuff. And that park's still there? No, it's the park is still there, but it's totally been revamped. The superhero show we saw was indoors, it used to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. When the, and the roller coaster went around the outside of it, and the red here would always come out and shoot from the roller coaster, and then that's just all gone now. And that's yeah. indoors. But it was cool because you know, Kitagawa got us backstage and all that. We were like checking everything out. Awesome. Yeah. Then care. even coming out of there, there was that little like loop on the third shop. Yeah, like over in the corner of the thing. So you never know what you're going to see, where, or what you're going to run into. But all those photos, uh, Kyle. If you look through my. Uh, Photo albums on Facebook. I, there's photos from all that time. I stuck a bunch of them in there. That sounds awesome. I I had a really great time at the Toei Studio Park attempt. So there is something in Chiba outside of Tokyo. I think it's, it's that's the Toei. Yeah, the Hero Toei World. Hero World. It's basically uh, oh, it's a museum yeah. that just is all the costumes on display. Yeah, I think Matt Frank went to that like the week yeah, before we got there. That op- last time I was there, that wasn't open. It just opened up like uh, two years ago. And I think I hadn't gone there since 2012, fall of 2012 was the last time I was there. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't there then. I wish it was. But I've seen so many photos of it and YouTube videos that I feel like I've already been there. <laughs> Very cool. I think the next time I go, you know, we talked about this, trying to make it to one of the shows. You know, that, that'd be really cool. But, uh, Barry, one of the things that you said was trying to go toy shopping outside of Tokyo. The last day that I was there, I was uh, I actually went to Koenji, which is just a couple of stops down from Nakano Broadway. And as I was there, I was looking around for trying to find some toy shops in the area because that's where Godzilla Yacht is. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think there's a place called Star Ace, maybe? I'm not remembering exactly. It's right under the railroad tracks. Oh, yeah, Godzilla Yacht is, for sure. Yeah. No, that store you're talking about, because if you come out of the station, there's like a KFC to your right, you follow the train tracks going east, because I collect a lot of, I buy a lot of punk and metal records, there's a lot of record shops in Koenji. Um, Under the tracks, it looks like little barn stalls with little sliding doors, they don't look like anything, you walk past them, they're open on Tuesdays and Sundays, and what it is, it's... um, it's weird, like it's like antique little mom and pop antique stores. I went in there and I you could buy complete uh, script collection. I bought the entire series of V three, entire series of Super One, uh, Battle Japan, but there were scripts bundled together. And I think I paid like sixty bucks for them. 
but under there, there's they have like record sellers with old, you know, Godzilla and Tokusatsu records and weird toy shops and just weird antique stores under there. Nobody really knows about them. And there's a right under the train tracks. They do now. They do now. <laughs> Everyone knows now. Yeah. Good luck, listeners, trying to get to this door from Barry's description. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know where you see Shabbat Station, it's a circle. You'll see a KFC to your right. You just walk. Oh, yeah, the KFC. You know, yeah. That's the only thing in the, you can't miss it. It's like standing right there. Just remember these points and mark them on the podcast and then set a loop point so you can just listen to it over and over again and, and follow your way. But no, seriously, the, uh, the, so I was there at the, in Koenji and I found a toy shop that didn't sell Japanese stuff. They sold us toys and the people inside were very, very friendly and, um, which most people are in Japan that I found. And, uh, when you, when I asked them if they knew of any toy shops that had like Godzilla stuff or kaiju stuff, they asked me if I, uh, if I knew about, uh, some, they knew, you know, obviously Mandarake. And I said, Oh yeah, of course I know Mandarake. And then after that, they asked me if I'd ever heard of Kaikodo, which is outside of Japan in Saitama, which they said it was one of like the biggest toy shops that you could go to. And they sell a lot of stuff on like Yahoo Japan. So that's on my list of places to go next time I visit. Oh, cool. I want to go there, too. Yep. I, I went to Saitama when we were over there uh, last year. Because yep. I went to go visit my friend um, Takeuchi-san, who's a suit actor in the Toei Super Sentai series now. Yeah, I have a friend in Sa- I've gone to Saitama, and he didn't mention anything about that. He's <laughs> holding back. Yep. I know. You knew you'd clean out the shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's uh, it's on my it's on my Trello board, so it's definitely on my list to go to. <laughs> Right on. So I think uh, this is a great place for us to take a little bit of a music break and then come back and talk about some other cool stuff. And what we'll do is we'll lead things out with Butch's request. He wanted to hear Spectre Man's intro. In a flash, like a flame, faster than a flame, a mystery with the name Spectre Man. Power from space. He'll save the human race, yet they'll never know the face of Spectre Man.
That was the uh, Kikaida main theme that we played, and Bob specifically requested that. So, Bob, do me a favor, man. Tell me if you were going to suggest something outside of the normal kaiju, Godzilla, Gamera universe that's still Japanese-related or tokusatsu-related, what would you suggest to somebody? Well, I mean, this has been a subject that we've preached for a long time. I mean, back, you know, back even when we did, like, Markalite and stuff, um, you know, I would know, always just tell people that there's more to life than a couple dozen Godzilla films. And uh, there's just so much out there you could cover, whether it's, you know, other tokusatsu films or, you know, hero films or TV or anime or whatever. There's a ton of stuff out there. And a lot of times if you just, uh, you know, Internet Movie Database is your friend. I mean, if you look up, say, an actor that you like, you can find something else that they were in and branch out that way. Um, I recently watched a, a movie called The Big Boss, which not Bruce Lee's Big Boss, but it was a Japanese one called Big Boss, in which uh, Akira Takarada is in it. He plays a nightclub singer that uh, gets caught up with the gangsters and stuff that run the club and all that. But, uh, you know, back then, this was in the 60s, and you know, Akira Takarada always had the cool hair and pompadour thing going, and, you know, he's... He sings really well in it, and it's a, it's a really good film, and it's just something you wouldn't really think about 
if you're looking through Godzilla books or whatever, you're not going to find it, you know. Um, and then you can also, like, you know, if you're a fan of Ishiro Honda, I mean, he directed episodes of Mirror Man, he directed episodes of Return of Ultraman, and, uh, you know, you can just kind of, like, follow the family tree and branch out from uh, the Toho films to whatever. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the actors in the Toho films were contract players. So they would be in the Godzilla films, but then as soon as they're done with the Godzilla film, they're maybe in a samurai film or a gangster film or whatever. And you can kind of follow things out that way. And uh, that's probably the easiest way to kind of, kind of like discovering stuff on training wheels. You know, you're kind of going out there and, okay, this is something new, but I like Akira Takarada. Or this is something new, but I like Honda's direction. And, uh, you know, you can find out a lot of stuff just doing that. And uh, and don't be afraid to look at stuff. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, superhero shows or sometimes the, uh, you know, the old-time super robot gun-a-guy stuff, and you'll hear Godzilla's roar, Gamera's roar, or sound effects from Toho films that uh, creep into those all the time. So you can branch out but still be kind of in familiar ground on that stuff. So specifically, like, what would you suggest from the, uh, if you're transitioning from a kaiju lover to someone who's into like the superhero stuff, if you're like, if you've seen Godzilla and now you're into Ultraman, what would you say the next logical step for you to go to would be? Would it be, uh, like Common Rider or? Well, I mean, if you're into Godzilla and you're into Ultraman, then you're probably into giant monsters, giant superheroes. So if you want to transition, from Ultraman and not get too far too deep into the waters you can always uh, just basically go to like Zone Fighter which Godzilla's in a number of episodes Ghidra's in a couple episodes Gigan's in an episode you can also go to uh, Johnny Sacco, Space Giant, Spectre Man Mirror Man, Fire Man Jumborg Ace Mock Bear and Red Bear I mean, there's a ton of uh, you know the early late 60s, early 70s before Common Rider kind of took over and they segued into the smaller heroes. There were a bunch of shows that either came from Subaraya or were inspired by Subaraya that, um, you know, that feature the giant superheroes. And that would probably be that, that alone could take you a while to get through. Now, Barry, you were going to suggest some of the same kind of things, but you were thinking towards the, the man sized heroes, right? That is correct. Um, like Bob was alluding to, like Subaraya, also in like the late 80s, early 90s, Subaraya co-produced Cybercop and Gridman and Grand Caesar, which were all uh, sort of Sentai-based or teams, but they're not necessarily Sentai. Um, I'm a huge, huge Kamen Rider and Sentai fan, so like from 71 up until currently the Kamen Rider series are still going. But um, I would say Kamen Rider V3 for like the Showa era writers is definitely a must see it kind of um, people. A lot of people that I know like Japanese friends who are huge Kaiju fans love V3 just because it, it's weird. I mean, it's a little more violent, but the stories are a lot more compelling than a lot of the later kids shows and it seems like it's more um i think adults 
like B3 just as much as kids liked B3 during that time. But um, like, I like Godzilla, but it's not my bread and butter. Like a lot of people are it. I, I'm more into like, uh, I just like the, the heroes, like Bob was saying, like Iron King, some of the giant robot, I mean, the giant heroes are good, but I've always been a fan of the human size, like all the Sentai stuff. So, uh, like Kaiketsu Zubat's great. Um, Kamen Rider V3 is great. Uh, Gorenge is really good. Kikaid is really good. Uh, Akamizer 3 and some of the weird lesser ones like, uh, Tetsujin Tiger 7 and Diamond Eye. Um, Samoa. Yeah, and Dungeons of Boga. And, uh, uh, you know, now Shout Factory's putting out a lot of the Sentai, like Jurenja and uh, Kakurenja, and now they're doing Dire Ranger. And those are all really good shows. Um, so, so actually, what's a, what's a good place for somebody to find some of this stuff? Because I know back in the day, this stuff was nearly impossible to find if you didn't know who to contact. But now with what with the internet and all... Where would you send people to try and find some of these shows? Well, you can find one-off episodes on YouTube of just about all of those shows I just mentioned. But for series, there's a lot of online resources for the complete episodes. If you just Google it, there's a lot of people who will post them on their Facebook page and stuff. And a lot of uh, fans... Well, you can get V3 legit. Yeah, you can buy Common Rider V3 legit through JNP. You can buy Nazuman. You can buy uh, Zero One... Uh, Iron King is on, uh, Ultraman, Ultra 7. Red Baron too, right? I think Red, Red Baron, Baron as well. There's a lot of, a lot of them. That just, I mean, if you want something, if you want a complete series of them, that's probably the easiest to get a hold of. And you can just kind of, you know, like Bob was saying, branch out from that. Um, Jiro Chiba, who was Sonny Chiba's brother, was in, he was a writer man in V3. He was in Dungeons of Boga and a lot of different shows. And, um, you know, like Bob was saying, there's like a family tree of people that stem from one to the other. So, yeah, you know, really it, like the effects guys in Japan, it's like they used to work on a bunch of different shows. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't, wouldn't just be doing Godzilla, they'd be out doing, you know, whatever to make a living. Yeah, like Wakasa, so, we were saying earlier, yeah. I had no idea he worked on Andromelis and worked on Skyrider. So, I was associated him with Godzilla. <laughs> so. And, and uh, Ultraman 80. Yeah, so, Ultraman 80. That's another one. Kawakita worked on uh, Grand Sazer and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, a lot of crossover. A lot of connection points for sure. Training wheels. Training wheels. So, Butch, you were going to suggest some other outside of Japan tokusatsu-related stuff. Yeah, I would highly recommend a Chinese film um, produced by Shaw Brothers uh, called... Uh, Inframan or Super Inframan um, that uh, borrows heavily from the uh, the Satsu uh, genre uh, that uh, made famous in Japan. So it's the only uh, Chinese uh, film of its type, and it has uh, the, uh, the main character uh, Danny Lee. Is it? I think he uh, basically is a super superhero kind of guy who fights uh, you know monsters and and. Uh, you know, all kinds of great stuff. So I, I would, if, if you want to get outside the Japanese genre and go into the Chinese uh, films, I would highly recommend that film. Now, Inframan was just a movie, right? Like, it, did, it didn't extend into a series in Hong no, Kong. No, just a movie. Uh, I think originally it was planned to be a three-series, uh, three 
episode series. My ex-girlfriend's dad was a screenwriter for Shaw Brothers at the time. And I asked him about that when he took us to Shaw Brothers Studio and I asked him about that. And he just had a vague recollection of the movie being made, but he said he remembers it. It's supposed to be a three-part series. And it just, I guess, Inframan just didn't do good enough to warrant a sequel. And by that time, uh, Hong Kong was bringing over Kamen Rider and some of the other shows. Yeah, the film was successful. I'm just very surprised. Yeah, that just they I guess didn't it. make enough. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It. But it's a it's a great film. I I, I, I highly enjoy it. It's almost like the Shaw brothers were saying, all right, what else can we do? Let's try what they're doing in Japan. Because they also did the Mighty Peking Man around the same time. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, the, there's a lot of great, you know, um, martial arts that are in the film. You know, I mean, there's a few of them. Bruce Lee clones, I think, appear. At least one of them, guys, who was one of the Bruce Lee clones back in the 70s. And then the film was made in, what, back in 1975. So, you know, it's right in the, the golden age of, uh, of Kung Fu films back then. And another Hong Kong toy crossover is Twinkle Twinkle, Lucky Star, the Jackie Chan movie. The main villain in that was Michiko Nishiwaki, who was the main villain in Spielban. And they shot a lot of that in Japan with a lot of Sonny Chiba's group, the Japan Action Club. And were you, Jackie Chan came to the Kabuki Theater in San Francisco years ago. You were there, yeah. But, yeah. We were and I asked him, yeah. And I asked him about you know the crossover with, with Sunny Chiba, but the lady didn't translate it to him well. And he's went, yeah. That's all he said. I'm like, yeah. okay, thanks for answering my question. Because I asked him uh, how they got together with Sunny Chiba's group, and you know what it was like working for him. And the lady, I don't think, understood who I was talking about. And Jackie Chan just goes, yeah. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yes, yeah, the, yeah, the Super Inframan has the uh, uh, the teacher dub uh, by uh, Peter Fernandez and Corrine Orr, who, who most people are familiar with when it comes to uh, Speed Racer. So you'll recognize those voices that are that are in in there. Uh, now, Kevin, you were going to bring up something a little older, but not necessarily Togusatsu related, but something that I also enjoy very much: the old Super Robot shows from the seventies. Right. Yeah, yeah no, those things are fantastic. Um, you know, trying to get a lot of the, the younger guys who, you know, watch Pokemon and stuff like that, who only think those, those you know, when they first saw those, oh, that's the only anime that existed. And it's like, no, 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 go back and look at more of these things. You know, people, people who watch Cowboy Bebop and stuff like that, you say, hey, you know, it's, it's a lot like Lupin the Third. It's like, what's that? Well, here <laughs> you go. Try this. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, I like, I like, I like the monsters. Like, it's like, well, here, go into the eye. I made the, these huge series of, you know, uh, Mazinger Z and Great Mazinger and God, just the super robot stuff. When I just discovered on what was it? Channel 20 back when I was a kid, I'd, I'd sit glued to that channel, just watching, you know, just hoping more would come on, not knowing what, what was, you know, anything was said. But just glued to the TV, watching you know uh, the giant robot shows. Uh, there's one. I, I, Bob has told me the name of this show so many times I can't remember it all the time. But it was like five race cars that combined to one big race car. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was really cool. And it's like you, you knew you knew your fun time was over because this one show called Ikiosan about a little monk kid would come on, and it'd be like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Now it's going to the Italian news channel. <laughs> <laughs> no more robots. But yeah, I mean, well, I mean, my favorite giant robot was Combatler V. Yeah, it's just just super super cool. I know a lot of people think that uh, what was it, Voltes V, is a lot more exciting and stuff like that. But Combatler just 
I don't know, that's got a special place in my heart. I'm the same way. Yeah, I like that one a lot. So did you watch Transor Z when it was coming out, or did you, or you know, in America? I rarely, rarely got to see any of that. I watched it. That, that was the 80s. That's what I was really Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was terrible. I couldn't watch it. It was just, any time that I was, I was either working at the time. Uh, yeah, actually, I, th- I think I was working at the time, and there was some other series that I was, I was actually paying my, my little sister to record some of those series for me while I was gone. Like the very first run of Batman the Animated Series and stuff like that. You know, just just so I would miss it because I was at work. But yeah, I never got to see too much of the transfer. Yeah, I remember scene. waiting, like, I had a friend in Japan after I, uh, before I moved to Japan, after every month my friend would send, what, like, the end of the month he would send that month's batch of TV shows, like all the Ryan oh. shows. Oh, yeah, dude. Talk about a lost art. And stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> last art. Well, that was, that was the internet download of our day. Yeah. Totally, that, yeah, yeah. You'd find a Japanese pen pal out of Uchisen or something, and then you'd be writing them, and then you would like send them episodes of whatever was playing here at the time, and they'd send you back you know, episodes that was playing there. And uh, I was just telling a story on Facebook recently about one of the first tapes I got was uh, the Gutchman movie. And it was like ninth generation and all <laughs> snowy and flagging at the top. But, oh, we thought it was great. And I made <laughs> copies for everybody. And it was like, they just released that movie on Blu-ray, like recently. Yeah, it's not a best buy. Yeah, yeah, and I bought it and I watched it. It was like, it was like a religious experience. <laughs> I'd never seen it that, that crisp and clear. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you get these ninth, tenth generation tapes that look like crap and just you'd be so thankful well, to have Well, that was one of the, the things about going to like, you know, like Weekend of Horrors or any of those other things. Mm-hmm. You'd see the one guy that had all those videotapes things. And it's like, oh, hey, there's all those cartoon series I watched as a kid. Oh, hey, he's got the, you know, he's got, got you know, Godzilla you know, versus King Ghidorah on VHS. Oh, hey, someone sees it. Who cares? I got to see the new Godzilla movie. But I mean, you know, even talking about the old, uh, Go to guy stuff. I mean, there's a lot that's out on legit DVD right now, like Mazinger Z, Cutie Honey, Devil Man. You know, um, a lot of stuff is out and legit, and you can get it. You know, yeah, on Amazon or whatever you want. Yeah, even, even some of the newer uh, giant robot stuff, like Mazing Kaiser and Mazing Kaiser yeah. Skull SKL. I always just call it Skull. Or uh, what was it? Uh, they just well, a couple years ago, they they revamped uh, Space Cruiser Yamato. And it's incredible. Yeah, that whole new series is just like, oh my god! It was it was like watching the whole thing all over again, and just going, oh, this is awesome. And I always get surprised when I go to a convention, I see somebody dressed as Harlock or like an older. I'm like, holy cow! You know who that is? And the kids are like, I love Harlock. I was like, dude, you're an anomaly around yeah, here. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I was selling a little swap meet, and some guy came up in uh, one of the the Star Blazer flight suits, and I, you know, I was like, oh hey, you're you're dressed as Boomer. I was like, oh yeah. And then he brought in a bunch of other people because it was like, hey, this guy knows who we are. <laughs> it was just really cool, you know. See, that's what happens when I wear like '70s and early '80s hero suits, and nobody knows who the hell I am. So I walk yeah. around, and I always get bummed because nobody takes my picture because nobody knows who I am. I wear like a newer Power Ranger, just like Bing, 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 yeah. Bing. Everyone knows what that is. Yeah, it's like the only character I could probably cosplay would be like a. Uh, Captain Okita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be it. That's all I could do. It'd be Captain Ranger from Go Ranger. Donnie Rogue. Yellow Ranger. It's Curry constantly. <laughs> is he, is he oh, wait. Uh, what's his face from Gotcha Man? There you go. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Fang Al guy. There you go. Yep, there you go. 
<laughs> I could I could sit around in an owl suit, <laughs> green and green and black or green and brown. Or you could be yeah, like or you know one of those pilots that can uh, get a robo. Oh, the, <laughs> yeah. There's always yeah the, the, the water guy in the big get, get her three. <laughs> get excited. Yep. Or the guy from like like Mazinger Z. Uh, more like the get oh, get a three guy oh, in his in his, in his, in his uh, his shorts and <laughs> snorkel. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, you you've got plenty of options out there. You've got basically you're the token. You've got the token large portly fellow from any of those robot shows. <laughs> That's true. Look, a Steve Wozniak in a spacesuit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. You know, I'm very surprised that a lot of this stuff has lasted as long as it has, as far as like say fandom is concerned. I mean. You go to places like G-Fest, which is basically your core central convention for Godzilla-type films. you got guys that are there, 11, 12, 13 years old, and, and they're reciting lines from 1970s films. To me, you know, you know, going there every so often, I'm just totally amazed that these kids, you know, who are, you know, that age now are liking films that I liked 40 years ago. You know, grew up around the same age. You know, it's pretty amazing to me that it's still going strong. That's funny. I just had an experience like that too at work. A friend of mine came up and said, Hey, you know, my sister's kids are watching clips of these movies on online. And it's like, I know you're into this. Do you have any of these things so they can see the whole movie? And it was like, I had extras. So it was like one Christmas. I just wrapped up a bundle of Godzilla stuff for them and just went, you know, from one old Godzilla fan to two new ones. And they loved it. I mean, they just ate that stuff up. It was incredible. Yeah, that's the biggest surprise to me. I mean, as far as, you know, being a fan of this stuff for all these years, it's just seeing young kids still into this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted by it. You know? I think a lot of it is like, you know, parents watching it with their kids. Now, yeah. You know, it's like, dad wants to like bring his son in. Here, watch this Godzilla movie, son. But then you also have like, Legendary, you know, doing a series of Godzilla films and, you know, Toho's working on a new one. So every time you get a new film coming out, it creates a whole new generation of fans that, you know. And the cool thing about that is once the fans get their hands on this stuff and they want to learn more, like, you know, Bob, you and I were talking that as we were kids, well, you know, obviously at different times, but as you're a kid, you want to absorb as much as you can and learn as much as you can about this one thing. And because of the internet, now people are able to get hooked on Godzilla in 2014. And then by 2017, they'll be ready to explore uh, everything else in the tokusatsu world. Well, I mean, that's the hope. I mean, that's the way to keep all this stuff alive and, you know, keep it going. It's just, uh, you got to get the younger generations into it. Yeah, that's how I got my brother Jonathan into it. I was like, when I was babysitting him, I put on the Godzilla movies. <laughs> yeah, the Godzilla toys. Oh, I so worked on the one, huh? And you <laughs> ruined him. Yeah, I ruined him for life. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked with a guy one time that, you know, he was from China and he was like really into Ultraman. And he found out, when he found out he was having a son before the son was even born, he like went to Chinatown and bought all the kind of cartoony looking Ultraman. All the baby Toilet stuff. covers, yep. sheets, nice. drapes, whatever. And his kid's whole room was all just decked out in Ultraman before he was even born, basically. So, yeah. yeah. That's what my brother says. He, was, go, he was born into the Godzilla life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah he, goes, he goes, I didn't choose it. 
yeah. the Bane quote? Is that what that is? Yeah, that's his quote. That's funny. Yeah, a lot of my younger brothers and sisters got forced into doing that too. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I have like nieces, nephews, whatever that, you know, they come over and they, of course, their parents' first thing is, like, you got to see this garage back here. And they come back here and they just like stand around wide eyed looking at everything and, you know, tell them hands in the pockets. But <laughs> hands in the pockets. <laughs> Yeah, I introduced my daughter to that ever since she was a little girl, and she knows quite a bit about it. And I remember bringing her to uh, the Godzilla Fest that we had in San Francisco. She was mm-hmm. about five years old. She had a little uh, Mothra figure and everything else, and Jerry Ito spotted her. And, you know, she walked over to him, and, and he was so surprised that this little five-year-old girl was into Mothra, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking a photo with him, and that was a great memory. Jerry got a huge kick out of it. Well, like, Japanese guests are amazing, too, because... I remember, like, back, we were talking about San Diego Comic-Con today, and it was, like, the first one I went to was, like, in 1980, which I think was the best anyway. But it's, like, Gona Guy was there, Monkey Punch, who did, like, Loop on the Third and stuff, was there. Uh, Sadea Miyamoto and Ipe Curry, who did, like, Speed Racer and Gachiman, they were there. And uh, it was just, they were so amazed that anyone over here even knew what they did or who they were. And because of that, they were so grateful and yeah, they were, they were really you know that's how expressive to all the fans. That's how Hiroshi Watari was, and a lot of those Japan Action Club guys were just like, well, "How do you even know who the hell I am?" I was like rattling off their <laughs> filmography. He's like, "People, oh, they really like us." Like, yeah, there's there's a you know it's growing, but there's his name like twenty people I knew who they were, but I just said, "Yeah, people, of course they are." And he's just like amazed. And he's all calling his friends, "Hey, this guy in America knows who the hell we are." <laughs> <laughs> We're legit. We're legit. You guys, this has been a really awesome time talking about stuff. Did anybody have anything else that they wanted to bring up? Is there any, are there any upcoming things that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, you know, for, for fans of the Kaiju cast that are here in the Bay area, I mean, you know, every year we do, you know, Godzilla night, you know, we have other things coming up and in the works and just, you know, keep your eyes and ears open. We try to get postcards and stuff out, you know, we do this stuff, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. We got the bug early and we just keep churning, churning the stuff out and doing what we can to, uh, hopefully get more people into it. Hey Kyle, I had a question for you. Yeah, man. What's up? What's your thoughts about the new Godzilla film coming out in Japan? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, less hopeful that I normally would be for a Japanese Godzilla film. Just because I uh, have, I don't know, I have mixed emotions about Shinji Higuchi. I think Shinji Higuchi was a fantastic choice for the special effects direction. But when you're talking about uh, bringing in people for actually directing the film itself, I'm not exactly sure how Higuchi and Ano are going to do by, you know, t- for the Godzilla franchise. Obviously, they've worked together before and they've done amazing work, but, uh, you know, the stuff that I've seen from Higuchi alone hasn't been super awesome. So uh, hopefully they, they do a great job. But I I guess I almost have the same kind of feeling that I did for the 2014 one where I was saying I was cautiously optimistic. <laughs> it's a it's sort of the same sort of vibe I'm getting from this production. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard mixed things about it. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. It can't be worse than Final Wars, huh? 
But yeah. once Brian Cranston was out of the film, I lost interest. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm the same way. I mean, yeah. I I just thought that movie was what <sighs> the only compelling character in that movie was Brian Cranston. Yeah. And they threw uh, his son in just to have a human character to follow, and it made no sense. And I thought the Godzilla scenes were really good, but I just thought the story <laughs> they was weren't just, too dark. Yeah, it's like you can just watch the movie with the sound off and enjoy it just as much. I thought the same about Pacific Rim, so. Yeah, I like Pacific Rim better. I, I really like Pacific, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. But, uh, I just thought yeah. it was a ripoff of Combutler V and everything else. Like, oh, <laughs> but I, I got to say, you know, just as a public service announcement, uh, <laughs> if you're watching the Blu-ray or the DVD and the scenes are so damn dark, uh, Bob Eggleton actually came up with a solution. If you If you put in the 3D version of it, and just switch your TV over to 2D. It looks great. Weird. The 3D version is actually the contrast and the brightness, all that is correct on that version. And it's really dark and muddy in the others. But if you watch the 3D version, you know, as a 2D, then yeah, it looks fine. Wow. It looks it has to be bright yeah, if you have it. Put on the 3D. Yeah. It gets, it gets I'm not it. Yeah. I don't. I don't have that, that makes uh, sense. capability. Yeah, so. I thought the design of the Godzilla was all right. I don't think it was that. You talking about, the, oh, you're talking about the, this version? version. Oh. It looks great as a, as a like super deformed. Like, yeah, it looked It looked better in motion than it than I saw the photos of. I thought, oh, it looks okay, and it it had its moments. I just didn't think the movie, the human characters were just like nothing. There wasn't anything to follow. You didn't, didn't care about the kid. Like, who cares about his wife? And it's just like, here, you're an army. Oh yeah, here, take a gun, help. It. I was like, what the. F- or what the heck? <laughs> well, it's more, more like a Muto movie than a Godzilla. Yeah, it was yeah, called Muto. Yeah, it, yeah. it was a side. But uh, I think they learned from it. I think the next one will probably be better. I mean, they got right. Ghidra, Rodan, Mothra in there. and then, So did the other films, you know. What about the. Uh, but, but, but you were asking about the Shin Godzilla. What do you guys think about the Shin Godzilla? I like the design from what I saw. I kind of like his funky looking face. Well, that's like just one of. A few designs that'll be in the movie. Supposing you know he mutates or whatever, but um, I don't think that's the final final design. And then Dell was saying, yeah, supposedly the ones that were leaked online are not even going to be used in the movies. That that was a puppet that they decided to scrap. Huh. And that's when I was having the '98 flashbacks of, oh yeah, sure, this is not the design. Oh yes, it is the design. Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they have that one official poster that has. It's still a wedding, so it's yeah. like you know. Well, there were people online that like basically brightened it up or whatever you can see some more detail it's pretty you know i've got it right here that uh shin godzilla fire and it's yeah it looks great (laughs) no i'm just saying but i just wanted to say like even though it's in silhouette there's still quite a bit of detail and then the godzilla resurgence poster he's lightened up a little bit Hmm. you know that uh you know that that new x plus that they're coming out with the black and white one with the base oh yeah now in my opinion that's Godzilla, and that's what I would like to see, something similar like that. Oh, yeah. I totally wanted to – there's like this kit that everybody calls the Honey Bones kit. Uh, I have like, that kit. Yeah, that it's kit. Incredible. That If Godzilla looked like that in, in Shin Godzilla, I would be so happy. That, that's like one of the best artistic license sculpts of like, is that the original same, Godzilla. Is that Atelier? Yes. Atelier is the vinyl version? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Honey Bones did the first uh, resin kit of it. I, I dig the 68 guys a little bit. I'll probably never get my wish for that. <laughs> I think this is a great place for us to close out. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us from the Monster Garage. 
Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us again. And I'm glad I gave you a good excuse to hang out. Just kidding. I've out in a while, so it's kind of nice. And uh, if you want to check out any of these guys' stuff, Bob works on Sci-Fi Japan. I know some of these other dudes in the in the garage also submit to that as well. Where else can people find you on the internet? Oh, me? Everyone, really. Well, if you go on Facebook, you know, I'm on there. And then uh, we also have a Sci-Fi Japan Facebook page, and we have a Bay Area Film Events Facebook page, so... Between the three, you can pretty much stock me all you want. Everyone's goal now is uh, is available and attainable. <laughs> stock Bob. Everyone's wanted to stock Bob. There you go. I'm easily stockable. Everybody. Yeah. Does that. anybody else want to go and say say if the my Facebook page is here? We're all on Facebook. We're all on Facebook. We're all on Facebook and the guys in the groups trolling yep. people. We're just really picky about who we friends. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like to troll James Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, God. Right on. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. And uh, this will go online in March, I think. Oh, also oh, cool. in March is uh, Monster Mania, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. We're going to have... Um, oh, speak up, man. Tell them all. Ken, Ken Pachiro Satsuma and uh, Mizuho Yoshida will be there. So Heisei, Heisei Godzilla and um, GMK Godzilla will be there. Yeah, a lot of Godzilla actors are, you know, coming back to the U.S. So go see them. So March 11th to 13th in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Dell, are you going to be there? Yes, I'll be there. All right, I'll see you there, man. I'm going to party. <laughs> party! Party, people! Satsuma Slice! <laughs> <laughs> Partying with Satsuma. It's a really awesome thing to do. Yeah. All right, well, uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys soon. an awesome pleasure to talk to those fine gentlemen from the Bay Area. We hope to have them back on another time for another roundtable discussion. If you are interested in any of the links they talked about, they will be in the show notes. We, however, are going to be moving on to some of our end of the episode items. Uh, We are not covering any news specifics, but we do have some catastrophic events. They're pretty much the same events as last episode. Actually, by the time this goes online, I will be smack dab in the middle of Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I am super excited to see 
Kenbachira Satsuma, and a new person for me to interview, Mizuho Yoshida. Not only did he play Godzilla in Godzilla, Mosura, Kingu Ghidra, Daikaiju, Sokugeki, he also played Zerum in both Zerum 1 and 2. He played Legion, or he was one half of Legion in Gamera 2. Uh, he played Death Ghidra in Rebirth of Mothra, Dagarla in Rebirth of Mothra 2, and Zetus in Gamera the Brave, and he also played Raiga in Deep Sea Monster Raiga, which is Shinpei Hayashiya's film. I can't wait to be able to interview these guys. I'm so excited. It's happening right now. If you're listening to this, you're probably going to miss out on Monster Mania. But the 1st through the 3rd of April, Spooky Empire returns to Orlando, Florida, and they are welcoming Kenpachiro Satsuma, Tom Kitagawa, and Ben Furuya. Then, April 22nd through the 24th, Monster Palooza is back in Pasadena, California this time, with Haruo Nakajima, the original Godzilla, Keizo Murase, a Showa-era suit maker, and Shinichi Wakasa, a Heisei and Millennium-era suit maker, and the monster manga master himself, Shinji Nishikawa. They will all be at Monster Palooza at the end of April, and I will also be there. Then fast forward to June 10th through 12th in New York, the East Coast welcomes Yuta Mochizuki and Reiko Chiba, Zoo Rangers Geki and Mei, to Eternal Con. I'll have links in the show notes to all of these shows, so if you're interested in going to these, you can hit up the websites for more information. Moving on from catastrophic events, we have a pretty awesome announcement coming up, and I'm feeling a little mad. And we thought we'd introduce a brand new segment to the Kaiju Cast, a hopefully a yearly thing. We mentioned it in the last episode. I just touched on it briefly because we didn't have anything up and ready to go, but now it is ready. We are ready to get into Monster March Madness. Basketball's got nothing. Exactly. Basketball's got nothing. Joining me, that voice you may recognize, joining me from sunny, I'm hoping, California, via the what interwebs. Else? We have yes. my good friend Keith Foster from Kadoja and Big Pimp Jones. What up, dude? What is going on, man? It is sunny, actually. So I know that's a shocker to everyone. <laughs> it's also probably a shocker that it was raining like crazy today in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. Rain and, I know. That is. Imagine that. Imagine that. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Monster March Madness. So tell the listeners, what is March Madness, the regular March Madness sure. having to do with sure. basketball. So March Madness is is really nothing but a it's slightly more than 64 teams but let's just call it 64. It is a 64 team single elimination bracket tournament, right? So for the listeners that aren't familiar with basketball or, or don't care about basketball or, or perhaps even actively dislike basketball, um, I'm sure there's something out there that people can relate to, whether it's, I don't know, uh, fighting tournaments or, or anything like that. It's nothing more than 64 teams that are going to continue to play each other in a bracket format until one team is standing and you crown a national champion. So this is a huge deal all over at least America. I know that there are people in my work who will be itching to do their own March Madness brackets for the, is it the NCAA? 
NCAA basketball tournament. Yes. Yeah. So uh, last year, what happened is I sort of, uh, (laughs) in an effort to spice things up in the office, I posted my bracket, which had nothing to do with basketball and had everything to do with just me listing out 64 monsters or however many there were. It was the full full bracket. And a lot of people in my office were really interested. They were like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I was shocked at how how uh, normal fellows that aren't obsessed with giant radioactive monsters were interested in the way that I had laid it out. And then they started asking me questions and I was clearly out of my element. I was like, no, dude, I just wrote down names. I have no idea right, what those numbers it. mean or that's anything. It. I believe I, I either said this to you personally or, um, or sent you a text on it because I, I remember saying something like, there is no way in hell Rodan is a number 14. Yeah, I remember right? that, yes. <laughs> so I was uh, like, we need to talk. We yeah, need to talk. <laughs> yeah, so we did talk. So Keith and I yeah. spoke about this. We came up with a plan. And uh, then last year, he came out in 2000, I should clarify, 2015, he came over to my house all the way up from California to Oregon for Rose City Comic Con where we tabled together and I don't need to get into a big spiel about Rose City Comic Con, but we sat down and we had our first sort of monster March Madness talk discussion recording where Keith brought the full roster, right? You brought like a mm-hmm. big list I, I had, of how- I had basically filled out not only a bracket, um, but a but a more than 64 team bracket. So, um, you know, I again, you and I had been talking and, uh, and and we were like, yeah, let's do this. So part of my research before I came up there was I laid out a more than 64 monster field. Right. And I, I also seeded all of the monsters. So um, depending on how deep or how how not deep you want to get into this, uh, we decided on four regions. So usually the NCAA, I believe, does East region, West region, Southeast region, and Midwest region. Um, in our case, we're doing the Godzilla region, the Showa region, the Heisei Millennium region, and the non-Toho region. Uh, and then we grouped all the monsters into those specific groups. And then I seeded the brackets like the NCAA would seed their own brackets, right? So in their case, they might have the number one team in a region be a team like North Carolina. They're the number one seed. Maybe they've won 32 games and lost three. So they're clearly good. And they're the, you know, they're the ones who own the higher seed. In this case, the logic behind the seeding actually does have some numbers behind it because I love numbers. And, uh, and the, the logic is actually pretty simple. It's nothing more than I took every monster and typed their name in a Google search. Um, there was a period where I was going to do it across more things, but whether you do eBay listings plus Amazon listings plus mentions plus whatever, Google just catches all of that. So uh, the number one seed was the monster in each region that had the, the most results come up when a Google search happened. And when people look at their brackets, they'll notice that there are some things that seem awfully strange and and that's the reason, right? Because the numbers are the numbers, right? Um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So actually, let's do a little more explanation on that. So if you're looking at the Monster March Madness bracket that we've created and posted online, which you can download at kaijucast.com slash March Madness, that bracket shows you those four regions that Keith was talking about. And then next to each monster name, you have a number. Now that number, that's the seed number you're talking about, right, Keith? That's correct. And lower is better. So if you're looking at, for example, uh, the, the Heisei Millennium region, you would see that the number 17 seed is Ghidra 91. 
And the number one seed is Monster X, which actually exemplifies the whole numbers or numbers thing. Because Monster X, when I type it in a Google search, comes up with way, I mean, the, the most results out of everybody. But that's probably because it's a character in like multiple animes, or it's a common phrase, or there's a band whose name is that. So there was no filter. It was just, okay, you got the most results. You're the number one seed, right? So what that also then means is that, uh, you know, in a normal NCAA tournament, for example, this one versus 17 game, one versus 16 game, whatever you want to call it, um, no number 16 team has ever beat a number one seed. However, since this seeding is random, it really opens up the field and opens up the, the battles to produce what we would call upsets, which would be the bigger number or lower seed defeating the lower number or higher seed. Moving on from the seed numbers, basically this is a last monster standing situation. So all your, you know, if you so choose, then you can fill out a bracket and then you look at each one of these matchups, right? And you pick who you think is going to win. So if I look at Monster X versus Ghidra 91, um, and I think Ghidra 91 is going to win, then I write in Ghidra 91. If I go lower and I see Biolante is matched up against Mothra 2001 in a battle, I pick the winner there and so on and so on. And then you not only pick all of those battles, but you pick all of the ensuing battles, right? So in the in the case there, if I picked Ghidra 91 to advance and let's say Biolante, then those two monsters would fight each other in the next round and you keep on putting the winner on the line to the left or, you know, and to the right in the other case, right? So same thing, Godzilla 2014 versus Godzilla 1985 on the other side of the bracket, right? Who's going to win? Write that in. And then fill out the entire first round and then keep on going until you have 32 monsters, 16 monsters, eight monsters, four monsters, two monsters, and the last monster standing. Right on. So what you want to do, listeners, is you want to fill this bracket out. And when you're finished filling it out, don't forget to choose your absolute winner, right? So I guess circle the winner, right? Yes, correct. Correct. You can circle the winner and then we have a uh, a tastefully designed tiebreaker question. From, from <laughs> <laughs> so the tiebreaker question is, uh, is basically you just put down your own guess for this in case we do encounter a tiebreaker situation during this monster March madness. And the question for that is how many Geigen figures or statues do I own? It'll be, then, oh, it'll be good. Cause sorry. I actually don't even know that number right now. I'm going to have to go through the room and count. <laughs> It's going to have to be a dramatic final count. <laughs> it's definitely, well, I don't want to even say anything. It's, I know, it's you're between, your tip it's in your a, hand. between zero and a million. <laughs> well, and, oh, and sorry, I did want to mention one other thing about the bracket, which is for every ensuing round, it's one more point. So for example, in that Ghidra 91 versus Monster X matchup that I just keep on using as the reference here, if Ghidra 91 wins that matchup, then I get one point for that. If I then have Ghidra 91 versus Biolante and I pick, let's say, Ghidra 91 to win again and they advance to the next round, then you get two points for that. Next round, three points. Next round, four points. You know, next round, five points. And then I think I've counted all the way to the championship here where it would be six points for the champion. And um, depending on the people that have filled out March Madness brackets before, there's a bunch of different ways we could score it. We could do one point for everything. We could double the points for every region. But this is my personal favorite way of doing it because it places a lot of value on both the early round, getting that stuff right, and the later round without overinflating the value of picking the champion correctly. 
So once you have that bracket filled out, you're going to want to email that to marchmadness at kaijucast.com. And Keith is going to get those, and he's going to be helping out with uh, compiling everything together and uh, and uh, and posting uh, results every two rounds, right? Because that's what we'll do. Just giving an updated leaderboard, um, and you can, you know, I can send it to you, and you can put it on the website. You know, if you're if you're following basketball, it's intuitive, right? Like you pick a bracket. And then you watch all those games happen and then you find out whether you're right or not. Right. And obviously, um, picking something right can get pretty hard. You know, like let's say you pick a, a, a monster or a team to win a game or even be the champion and then they lose. Well, you're in trouble. Right. Because you've picked this thing from, you know, before knowing any, how any of the battles turned out and then they all happen. Right. So again, in basketball, it's easier to understand because you fill out the bracket, watch the games and see how you do versus reality. Right. In the case of the Kaiju cast, the way that those battles are going to happen is they're going to be simulated through group discussion by the Kaiju cast crew. Yeah, I want to reiterate, if you end up putting monsters together in a battle that have actually battled in the movies, while we're going to take those movies into consideration, that's not necessarily going to be the outcome of uh, you know, of these battles. And hopefully yes. you get a whole bunch of different monsters fighting. Hopefully you don't get Godzilla 91 facing off against Ghidra 91. You'll get something more along the lines of Gigan facing off against Gamora from Ultraman. Exactly, exactly. And, and there, I, I have, I am looking through the bracket right now and I will say without giving anything away that unfortunately there's a region of this bracket that could follow quite easily to form that's been in movies, unfortunately. But you never know. Maybe that monster has their chance at a rematch and things come out differently. That's right. You never know what's going to happen this year. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. So that's pretty much all I wanted to do. Is this supposed to be something fun and new for us to tackle in the year 2016? And I hope the listeners get involved and we start seeing a lot of brackets come in. All right. So once you get that filled out, make sure to send it to marchmadness at kaijucast.com by the end of Friday, March 18th. We'll be recording special episodes and segments over the next few weeks. So make sure you get your brackets turned in and be checking out the KaijuCast for the next updates. Keith will get all those uh, results compared to our actual battles that we end up talking about on the show. And then there will be prizes. There's going to be a first place and second place for this. And they are going to be filled with awesomeness from both Kadoja and from KaijuCast. All right, Keith, thanks so much, dude. I can't wait to talk more about this and uh, and see what you've come up with. Yeah, looking forward to it. Last but not least, I wanted to uh, sort of like reach down into the depths of the past and bring out another gem that, uh, if you remember last episode, I accidentally paused the recording and did not unpause the recording. So I lost a whole bunch of stuff with my crew in the in the studio. Rachel Cook posted on the Book of Faces a link to a website or an app called Hopper. As advertised, it said you could get flights to Japan from the U.S. for as low as $430. If you have ever traveled to Japan, 
on a normal price ticket, you know that is crazy cheap. So Lady Kyle and I were sitting around one Sunday, and we were just kind of like, hey, we should check this out, see if it's legit. And sure enough, we looked and flying out of Los Angeles, $430 to Narita. Then we were saying, well, probably won't include Portland. And then we found Portland. And Portland to Narita was also very cheap. It wasn't as cheap. I'll just say each round trip ticket was only $550. It's crazy. Crazy that it was so cheap. Uh, So Lady Kyle and I were poking around on the website, poking around with the dates and figuring out if it was doable. And we decided to go to Japan. So we're going to be in Japan for a week in the middle of April. And we're pretty excited. It's really, I don't do this kind of thing very often. I'm a very anal retentive, super planner, list maker guy. And the uh, impulse buy of whisking myself in just over a month at the time of the purchase to Japan is <laughs> a little unheard of for me, but I'm really excited that we're going to be going and I'm sure you'll be living vicariously through my photos and uh, social media updates. One last housekeeping announcement. If you want to have your homework turned in, your Daikaiju discussion homework turned in for Yamato Takeru, a.k.a. Orochi, the eight-headed dragon, make sure to send that in before... Thursday, March 24th, to be included in the discussion episode. Now, that is going to close out the episode. So, of course, if you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcatcher, point your web browsers to KaijuCast.com because you can see everything that we've done there. Every episode we've recorded is on KaijuCast.com, not to mention our Daikaiju discussion schedule, links to our social media websites, and our friends' websites, We also have a link to our commentaries. Ooh, it's definitely a time for another commentary to happen. We are going to close out the show right now with one final track. This was a request from Dell to hear the Japanese Great Mazinger theme. We will see you for another episode real soon. Don't forget to fill out your March Madness brackets and send them in. Jamata. ブレート